0: This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Good morning. So good to see everyone in the middle of the summer, and I know many of you have been on trips and you're back in town, and uh, some who were here last Sunday are out on trips, and that's the nature of summer, and uh, it's a great time to rest and relax and And get rejuvenated and so um, boy for those of you who have been away for a while welcome back and uh, we're going to pick you up kind of right in midstream we're in the middle of a series of sermons about God's promises and so uh, this morning we're going to break out some promises about a really important subject the subject of of competence in life and uh, I know God's going to have some very practical things to say about that he always does. For those of you who are new to new life, welcome to new life. Uh, I pray that this morning you have a great time of connecting with God and that, and that it's, a, it's um, a very special time for you at this church. Um, that's what church is about. It's about connecting with God and connecting with each other. And uh, so if you don't know anyone at church this morning, I hope you'll hang around and give us a chance to get to know you if you know someone then I hope that you meet two or three people you don't know before you go and you leave this morning. Uh, To help you um, learn what we're going to learn, on the inside of the the program that you got on the way in the door, you're going to find some fill-in-the-blank notes. It's a half sheet of fill-in-the-blanks. And I would encourage you to take the pencil from the chair in front of you and uh, work your way through that. It will help you learn as we walk through this really important subject. Would you pray with me as we get started? Lord Jesus, thank you for speaking into our lives. Thank you for teaching in such simple and practical and yet profound and powerful ways. Lord, would you work in our hearts and lives this morning that we could hear what you have in store for us. Would you teach us from your word, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Competence. In this series of sermons, we're talking about the five core and basic needs of the human spirit. And one of those core and basic needs is the concept of we need to feel competent. Not competent in everything, but certainly we need to feel competent in the basic skills required to live life well. We need to feel some level of competence when it comes to social skills so we can interact with people around us. We need to feel a level of competence in terms of being uh, married, if we're married, so that we can feel uh, successful in our marriage. And if, if we're blessed with children, we need to feel a sense of competence in raising children. Uh, most of us have jobs. We want to feel somewhat competent in, in our workplace. Because when we begin to lose a sense of competence, then some really strange and not so good things begin to take place in our lives. We start to lose our zest for life. We start to lose hope. We start to lose vision. We start to lose energy for life. And, and, and when that happens, nothing good comes out of that. And so... It's no great surprise then that God would speak very directly about a subject this important in life. Now, the truth is, all of us feel incompetent and challenged at certain points of life. Remember before you got married, if you're married, and you headed into marriage, did you think, I got this? No, sweat. Yeah, maybe if you were self-deluded. Okay? Yeah, I mean, there's something about that. Remember when you were expecting your first child? Yeah, it's fun to watch fathers with their first baby hold a kid out here like this, right? You know, and they got the death grip on the kid because they're afraid that they'll drop him, right? Yeah. You just, ah, yeah. That's... That's kind of how life is. We all have these struggles of feeling incompetent at some point in life. That's the reality in which we live. But friends, those are only the external things. Think about the internal things. Who among us has never felt incompetent to handle our misplaced or misdirected anger? We've all had to confront issues that are on the inside of us that maybe people know about, maybe they don't know about. And we've all had to confront issues on the inside of us that in the moment of time in which we were having to deal with them or the season of life in which we were having to deal with them, they seemed bigger than we were. And we were scared. We didn't feel like we had the power or the strength to be able to do anything about that. And friends, that's the reality in which we live. I wish I could tell you that for the rest of your life, you would never have that sense of incompetence in any area of your life again. But that's actually not going to happen in your life if God allows you to live any length of time. Because we will have to be able to confront and deal with the feelings of inadequacy and incompetence as long as we live. It's part of living life on this earth. Now, those of you who come to New Life often know that I will often share with you struggles that I have in life and how God is working in my life. And I can tell you that often when I speak to you on a subject on Sunday morning, the unfortunate part of being a pastor is that you often get tested earlier in the week on that subject before you ever get to speak on it, right? And that's just kind of how life works. And and I can tell you that earlier in this week... I just, I just received a huge test. I don't know if it was from God to know if I was really going to hear from Him and believe what, I, what He was wanting me to share with you or whether it was from Satan to see if I would follow God. Okay? God doesn't, I, you know, my trials and tribulations and struggles don't always come with a label on them. Just like yours, right? Sometimes you don't know. But you know, in the end, it kind of doesn't make a difference whether that was a test from God or whether that was a test from Satan. It's still a test, Correct? And the idea is I'm still called to follow God and I'm still called to walk with God in the midst of whatever life might throw my way. And so when I'm speaking to you this morning, I'm speaking to you not only from experience, but I'm speaking to you principles that I need to hear and walk in and and walking in just like God is calling you to walk in them. So let's take a look at some backdrop principles that will help us. And I'm going to give you three things that challenge our sense of competence. And the first is the uncertainty of the unexperienced. Maybe you have a brand new job and you're walking into that job the very first day. I know that you have some level of, am I going to be able to do this? Am I going to like the people I work with? Are they going to like me? Am I going to get along with my boss? Is my boss going to get along with me? Am I going to get along with my, with my uh, co-workers? It, can I make this thing fly? W- what part of this job that I don't know about yet am I going to discover three months after I get this job? Right? Yeah. We all have those feelings. It's the, it's the unknown of that unexperienced. That's, what, that's that fear that we have. We head into being a parent. Yeah. I, I was reading something the other day, and, and I believe the author said, You know, before I had kids, I had six just rock solid principles about parenting. Now I have six kids and no principles about parenting. Yeah. I mean, once you get into that that you've never experienced before, it challenges our competence. And there are people in the audience this morning, probably many of us who are sitting right there. Some of you. Some of you have just moved. Some of you are selling your homes. Some of you are moving. Some of you are starting new jobs. Some of you are looking for new jobs. Some of you are expecting children. I mean, the list of the unexperienced and where people are headed, just in this group of people sitting here right now, it's a pretty long and lengthy list. Well, God has some promises for you, but just know that you're going to feel some challenge. The second thing that challenges us and our sense of competence is our past failures. Isn't that true? Have you ever noticed that when you go to attempt something new, even if it's completely unrelated to a past failure, that somehow that past failure seems to jump out of the grave and torment you? You know what I call that? The ghost of failures past. Yeah. And you'd be surprised at how often the ghost of failures past, just, it just sort of appears on the horizon at the most inopportune times. Yeah, God has a promise about that this morning. I'm going to share with you that promise. And the deal is, it's going to be important for you and I to live in that promise because we don't live in that promise. I can tell you, I have stood beside people and prayed with people and I have watched the demise of people who somehow have never been able to get by the ghost of failure's past. It's my prayer that not one of us here this morning will ever be trapped or ensnared for any length of time by the ghost of failures past. The third thing that will challenge our sense of competence, are you ready for this? What is it? The successes of others. say so how does that challenge our sense of competence? Oh, friends. Because you know what? We have this little thing in our human spirit that, that it's twisted I, I think it's the act of Satan himself, but he loves to get us to compare our weakest points with everybody else's strongest points. Have you noticed that? Yeah. Those of you who are parents and you're really struggling in your parenting, have you ever noticed that when you walk into church, everyone else is pushing their kid in a stroller and the kid is just smiling and happy? And you think, ah, oh, I wish I could parent like they do. I remember one time a lady came up to my wife and me and said, what did you do for God to bless you with such, just such compliant children? <laughs> Ours are strong-willed. And yours are just so compliant. Now if you know my kids, you know that's not exactly the case. But that's how it looked to her. That, you know, our kids were always smiling and doing the right thing. It, that's just the way life is. And when other people, when we look at them and they appear to be successful, somehow we envision that that little child that's smiling in the stroller on the way to church is always like that at home. And always liked that on the way to church. And was actually like that in the car on the way to church. Right? It, it's just amazing how sometimes we can get intimidated by the, by the perceived successes of other people, and somehow that comes across as self-condemning. And it really challenges our sense of competence. And I want to tell you that of the three up there, the toughest one to spot in your own life is number three. Because it kind of works in the subconscious. Every once in a while it jumps up in the conscious. But it normally resides in the subconscious. So what's God going to say to us About that, I want to give you three promises today that God gives out of His Word that deal with our sense of competence because God wants us to live in a place of adequacy and competence. So here is promise number one God says, I will infuse you with my Spirit. Notice this is what Jesus said I will ask the Father, and He will give you another helper who will never leave you. Now there's a couple things you've already seen in there. God says, Jesus said, I will send you a what? A helper. That's good for competence, isn't it? And what about this helper? Part-time helper? No, forever helper, okay? He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. It's another promise God gives to you and me. Now, notice what Jesus says next. You know him. Now, Jesus was speaking to his 12 closest followers that we commonly call the 12 apostles. And then notice what he says. You know him because he lives with you. Oh, you know why? Jesus was the embodiment of God's spirit. He was the Holy Spirit in the flesh. Okay, But then he says something that's even more profound. He lives with you now and later will be where? In you. I want you to circle and underline that word in. He goes on to say, Paul says in Philippians, God is working where? In you. Circle that word in again, giving you the desire, circle the word desire, and the power, circle the word power, we're going to come back and address those in a minute, to do what pleases him. So already we have Jesus saying, I have a promise to give you. And the promise is that the Spirit of God is going to come and live in you. I've chosen to use the word infuse and I'll tell you why in just a minute. God is going to infuse us with His power. Paul writes later and says to the Christians of his day, I have good news for you. I want you to know that God is working not just on you, around you, with you, beside you, but where? God is working in you. Yeah. And so Paul would write to the people in Corinth and say about himself, such confidence as this is ours through Christ before God. Not that we are competent in ourselves to claim anything for ourselves, but our competence comes from where? From God. He has made us competent. So I want you to circle the word competence because I'm going to use that in a very specialized sense. Now there are four specific, and you're going to have to write this somewhere in the margin of your notes, all right? There are four specific components of competence, and you need to know all four of those. Three of them have to do directly with you and me, and one has to do with only God Himself. So let's talk about the three that have to do directly with you and me. Okay? And the first is desire. It's highly unlikely and quite impossible for you and me to ever be competent about something we have no desire for. Correct? That's just not going to happen. Because we won't put any time into it. We won't put any effort into it. It just isn't going to happen. I will never be competent at a sewing machine. No interest. Okay? Furthermore, no offense to any of you who do this, I will never be a competent fisherman. No no offense to all the guys and gals who love to fish. If you want to go out and spend your time, never mind. You don't want me to talk about that. I got no interest in that, right? It's just not going to happen in my life. It's just not something that thrills or excites me. And yet I look around and see people who are thrilled and excited about it and just can't wait to get out there and say, God bless you and God protect the fish, all right? not really yeah so the first component of any form of competence is desire now what did God say let's go look at Philippians chapter 2 God is working in you giving you the what's the first word desire yeah So the first component of competence, if you begin to pray about it and seek it, whether you have a new job, whether you have a new child, whether you just got married, whether you're moving to a new location, wherever it is that your competence is feeling challenged and is being put to the test, the first thing you want to pray is, Oh God, give me the desire to do well here. Component number two of competence is strength or power. You can have all the desire in the world to to succeed at whatever it is you're trying, but if you don't have the strength or the power to be able to do it, will you stay with it? No. It just won't happen. Because all the desire in the world cannot make up for what you lack in strength and power. Back to Philippians chapter 2. What does Paul say? God is working you, giving in you, giving you the desire and the what? And the power. And I can tell you one of the big lessons that God's been working in my life recently is learning the difference between His power and my power. That's a big challenge in my life. And how to rely on His power. And there are times when God says, No, Ron, I'm giving you the power to do it. Get up and go get it done. And then there are times when God says, No, Ron, I'm not giving you the power to do that. I'm going I'm to do that myself or I'm going to give somebody else the power to do that. I just need you to sit down and let them do that. And it's not always easy to know the difference between those two in our lives. I know it certainly isn't in mine. But I do know this, that whatever God is calling me to do and whatever responsibilities He gives me in life, I do know that He has promised to give the power that I need in order to get that done. So Peter... Writes to the people of his day, and I don't have this in your notes, but it's in 1 Peter chapter 4, maybe the first six or seven verses. Peter says this statement. He says, So if God has called you to serve, make sure that you serve in the strength that he provides. Yeah. That's component number two to confidence. Component number three is skill. Because if you have the desire, And you have the strength, but you don't have the skill? It's a long, hard road. Long, hard road. I have a wonderful friend who is not here this morning, and he doesn't even live in California, so you don't have to try to look around and try to figure out who this might be. But I have a wonderful friend who golfs three times a week and has for about 30 years and when I talk with him, you know what he says? I'm just praying that someday I break a hundred. Now that's power and that is desire, but there's no skill there. And the great thing is, it's only golf, so it doesn't make any difference, right? It doesn't really make any difference in the grand scheme of life. But you know, if, if it's not golf, if it's marriage, now we've got a problem, right? Yeah. Or if it's raising our children, or if it's in the marketplace, or if it's being a neighbor, or if it's just following Christ, or if it's working in ministry. Friends, desire and strength are not enough for us to do well. We have to have a sufficient level of skill. Okay? Okay? Now, what did Paul say here in 2 Corinthians? Such confidence as this is ours, through whom? Through Christ before God. Where does that skill come from? Not that we are competent or skillful in and of ourselves to claim anything for ourselves, but where does our competence or our skill come from? It comes from God. He is the one who makes us competent. Now, I, I, I want to kind of stop preaching and meddle here for just a minute. I can't tell you how many Christian parents have come into my office. We are having problems with our, could be two-year-old, could be 10-year-old, could be 16-year-old. Okay, tell me about this. And they lay out the problem. And I ask them a simple question. Have you prayed about this? No. Have you prayed with your 16-year-old about this? No. Friends, the truth is, where does our competence come from? If you think it comes from within, then, then you're just on your own. I mean, Why walk with God if you think you can do it yourself? the point of following Christ and the point of being a Christian is that we have this wonderful partnership with God who can do what we can't do. And I want to tell you as your pastor and as your friend that I will never stop short of calling you into that partnership. Is that okay? That's where it should be, right? Because God will enable you to do by giving you the desire and giving you the strength and the power, and giving you the skill to do whatever responsibility He has given you in this life. Whatever it is. And short of God stepping in and doing that, it's not going to happen. And that's actually the fourth component. And that is when you have done all that you can do, there's the God component. And I can tell you that even when God gives you the desire, the power, and the skill, they're still part of every responsibility that He reserves for Himself. You know what? That's why I prayed this morning before we ever got here. You know, God, we can meet, we could sing. I could stand up and teach. I can read verses from Your Scripture. I can teach people out of Your Word. We can do all this stuff. But if You don't show up as this church, no, we just got together. Because there's a whole part of that That God has to do Himself. And and the same thing is true in your life and mine. So there's principle number one. There's promise number one. Now let's take a look at that promise applied. God's Spirit working in us enables us to do what we could never do on our own. Let's read that out loud. Ready? Here we go. God's Spirit working in us enables us to do what What we could never do on our own. Promise number two. But what happens when I fall short? What happens with those failures past? What happens with future failures? Are you going to fail in the future? Yes or no? Yes. Shake your head like this. Yes. We are going to fail in the future. We are human beings. Okay? it's part of our fallen nature so what happens with that well here's God's promise I will redeem your failures by my grace and here's what God said to Paul my grace is sufficient for you for my power or my strength is made perfect where in weakness John writes later and John says this is how we know that we belong To the truth. And there's a very interesting interplay here between truth and deception. And I don't want you to miss it. John says, This is how we know we belong to the truth. And then he illustrates. And how we set our hearts at rest in His presence whenever our hearts condemn us. Does that sound like somebody's competence and confidence is shaken? Big time. Here it is. God is greater than than our hearts, and He knows everything. Even the Apostle John said, sometimes when I come into the Lord's presence, I become so very keenly aware of my failures and the times that I have fallen short of what I should be, what I should say, what I should do, the attitude I should have, that when I come before God, my heart condemns me. And and friends, when your heart condemns you in the presence of God, do you really want to be there? No. No but my heart condemns me in the presence of God, I don't really want to be there. But where should I be? Right there. So how do we deal with that? John is saying to us that there's an interplay going on here between truth and deception, and the truth is God's grace is sufficient for me, and God will forgive that and has already forgiven that and wants me to confess it and walk away from it. But the truth is my heart wants to hang on to that. As nasty as that is. And my heart wants to believe that's true. Wow. So who's going to win? My heart hanging on to that that condemning thing that seems real to me? Or the truth of God who says, You are my son, you are my daughter. If you leave that with me, I'll forgive it, and I will enable you to walk on and leave it behind. And the truth is, if we don't learn to walk in God's grace, we may feel good today, but we will only feel good until the next time we fail, correct? And then we get to start that process all over again. It's far better. Paul was learning to walk in God's grace. I don't have time to break out the whole context for you, but basically, you know what Paul was saying? You know, God, if you just took this out of my life, I wouldn't have to deal with that. Right? Right? And you know what God was saying to him? I'm leaving that in your life because I want you to walk in my grace, not in your power. Yeah. But there's a bonus. See, there's a progression here. If you look at the first part of this, the first part of this has to do with the truth of how God deals with our failures. And God deals with our failures how? Through His grace. The second part of this has to do with our attitude about our failures. And, and God wants us to know that he's given us a way to deal with even our attitude about our own failures. But then thirdly, God says, I want to actually do something with your failures. I, I want to not only forgive them, I want to redeem them. And he writes through the prophet Joel and says, I will repay you for the years the locusts have eaten. Now this was written to a country, the nation of Israel, and because they had walked away from God and they had defied His commands and they had basically thumbed their nose at Him, God had allowed their land to be overrun with locusts who had eaten every green sprig in the country. It was summer, but it looked like winter. There were no leaves in the trees, there were no crops in the field, and life was looking pretty bleak and desolate. And God sends a message through the prophet Joel. And God says, I know you don't like that stuff, but I have a promise for you. Not only will I forgive you, but I actually am going to repay you for the years the locusts have eaten if you come and walk with me. And he says, the great locusts, the young locusts, the other locusts, and the locusts swarm, and who sent them against them? He said, my great army that I sent against you. You know what he's saying? Even if you feel like today, that somehow God is punishing you. And I understand that that's a pretty rare thing, but God does. And when He does, He punishes us for walking away from Him so that we, He will get our attention and we will return. But God says, when you return, I'm going to do something to redeem that time you were away from me. That's pretty cool stuff. That's absolutely great stuff. And God does do that. Now, let's look at the promise applied. Ultimately, our success doesn't depend or rely on our ability to avoid failure, but on God's power to redeem our failures. I want us to read that. It's a little bit longer, so you have to stay with us a little bit longer. But I want you to read that out loud because I want that to sink in and become part of the reality in which we live. Ready? Let's read it together. Ultimately, our success doesn't rely on our ability to avoid failure, but on God's power to redeem our failures. Now, please don't read into that. Failure is no big deal. Good. I'm going to go out and fail so God has something to redeem. Trust me, you'll do it enough without trying. All right? We'll all do it enough without trying. Let's not, let's not jump out here and force God to do things that he never intended to do. But the bottom line is, when you and I walk with him, in spite of our failures, God's going to redeem those. And our ultimate success is based on God's ability to redeem even our failures. Really important concept. Let's go to promise number three. This is what I call the bonus. Bonus. God says, I will throw in an unexpected bonus. Now we started with God saying, I'm going to give you the desire, I'm going to give you the power, and I'm going to give you the skill. And then when you fail, I'm going to redeem your failures and I'm going to bring good out of your failures. And friends, I can't tell you how many times people have said to me, Pastor, I am the last person that I would ever expect to, to be doing this thing in life. I just can't even believe that God is doing this through me. I feel so unqualified, and yet this is what God's doing. Who knew? Yeah, that's where God redeems the failures. And number three, God says, I'm going to do an unexpected bonus. And here it is in Ephesians chapter 3, verses 20 and 21. God is able through His mighty power working where? Within us to accomplish infinitely more than we would ask or think. I want to tell you a true story. In the mid-1960s, a young and unassuming pastor from Minnesota sat down with his closest friends and said, God has called my wife and me to go to Africa to start a mission in Africa. At that time, it was the country of of Rhodesia, which is today the country of Zimbabwe. He was a quiet man, not a high-energy guy. He had a lisp and not very much personal charisma his friends and closest companions looked at him and said are you sure also what God wants to do I happen to know that after he left most of them predicted failure and at best very very limited success now 45 years later we know the rest of the story Okay, There are over 190 new congregations of Christians dotting the countryside of Zimbabwe that were not there before Dale and Linda Marshall moved there. Today there are over 11,500 Christians who regularly attend those 190 plus congregations. God bless them with four children most of their children are involved in missions around the world. Only heaven itself will reveal the full impact of that one pastor from Minnesota, rural Minnesota, not overly gifted, not, not, certainly not blessed with a lot of talent and charisma, and yet you know something, he signed on with God, and here's what you need to know. Dale was not on his mission. He was on God's mission. And he wasn't relying on his strength. He was relying on God's strength. And he wasn't relying on his own personal competence. He was relying on competence he got from God through his spirit. Wow. God is able to do through His mighty power at work within us, infinitely more than you and I would ever even ask or think or imagine. As we close, I want to give you this thought. Oh, yeah, let's read the promise applied. Ready? God has unexpected territory unexpected territory that He has reserved for us if we are willing to follow His leading outside the box. God had that territory. It was unexpected. It was waiting for Dale and Linda in Zimbabwe. I don't know where your territory is. It might be right here. It might be in some ministry in this church that you know nothing about, haven't even thought about yet. But as you walk with God, He'll open your eyes to it And I want you to know that that's unexpected territory reserved for just you. You know what this this brings to mind? Any of you old enough to admit that you ever watched Jeopardy? Eh, Of course, right? The Daily Double. You know what that is? It's a mystery, right? There's only one square up there, and it's the daily double. And if you happen to select that square, you and you alone get to work and and get to give that answer. And if you answer it correctly, then what you have can be multiplied. Can I tell you that that Ephesians chapter 3 is like our daily double? God has territory reserved just for us. Something He wants to do just through us. He's not going to do through anybody else. He's going to do it just through us. And if we follow Him in it, it's a mystery we don't know until we pray, and eventually He reveals it to us. But if we follow Him in it, what happens in our lives will be multiplied. That's how God works. On Manhattan Island, Fifth Avenue, there's a world-famous sculpture that I'm sure if you've ever been... To Manhattan Island. You probably saw it because any sightseeing tour will drive past it. It's the statue of Atlas holding the world on his shoulders and, and he is, uh, he's in a crouch and he's got his arms up like this. And, and I forget the name of the sculptor who made that statue, but he's a perfect specimen of a human being and muscular, and supposedly Atlas is the strongest man in the world, and that gets back into Greek mythology and a bunch of other stuff. But there you have it. He's holding the world on his shoulders, straining every muscle in his body. On the other side of Fifth Avenue... There's a church, St. Patrick's. And up behind the altar in the front of that church is a statue of the boy Jesus. And he's holding the world in the palm of his hand as if it's nothing. Hmm. Those are our two choices in life. We can either carry the weight of the world on our shoulders, straining every fiber of our soul and being and still feeling like we're not getting it done, or we can come to Jesus, who even as a boy could hold the world in his hand and smile. I believe this morning that there are people here who are struggling even with that first component Struggling with the desire to be a good parent or even the desire to be a good mate or struggling with the desire to be a good Christian. Struggling with the power and the strength to do that or struggling with the skill. And I know that there are some here who are struggling with the ghost of failures past. And I know that there are people in the audience this morning who would love to say, God, would you show me that territory, that bonus territory that you have reserved, because I'm ready to walk in it. I want to walk in it with you. Would you join me in prayer? Lord, for us, as we grapple with these feelings of incompetence we have from time to time, and as we get our eyes sometimes off of your strength and your power and And your work in our lives. And we start wrestling and laboring on our own. And we get much more like Atlas. Than like someone who has brought his world to Jesus. Who could hold it in the palm of his hand. Lord this morning we pray. For all of us in the audience. Who are in the midst of struggle. And there's some area of our life where we're feeling very incompetent. And we stand in need of Your strength, Your power. We even need an infusion of new desire to work in that area and to to experience Your power in that area. And Lord, we stand in need of Your skill because we've run out of our skill. Lord, would You minister to us this morning. We take that, we bring that to You and we say, Lord, show Yourself mighty in our lives. And Lord, for those of us who are struggling with failure and at this moment of life, Satan has thrown up our failures in our face and it's causing us to really question and to lose confidence in this life. And when we come before you, our heart condemns us. And instead of walking in your grace and knowing that your grace is sufficient and that your power is made perfect, we perfected in our weakness. We're having a tendency, Lord, to have that self-condemning heart and to hang on to it. Lord, would you enable us this morning to release that, to trade in that condemning heart for your grace. And Lord, to believe that you will take us by the hand. And as many times as we fall down, you will pick us up again. And you will put us on the right path and we can walk again. And Lord, for for those of us this morning who are ready to walk in that reserved territory, that bonus territory, that thing you want to do in our lives that we never guessed and would never have guessed, but it's what you want to do. It's sort of the wow factor in our lives. God, would you help us not to miss that? Would you show it to us so that we could live in your power, and experience all that you have reserved for us so that at the end of our lives we could look back and we could look back in amazement with gratitude. I pray it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Everyone said amen. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.